The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Alt Playground. APG is more than just a place to find couples to swap with. Alt Playground is a lifestyle community for all non-monogamous and sexually adventurous people to connect and share. And you know I started a profile. Join me over at altplayground.net. That's A-L-T playground.net. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, fuck puppets? This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. To those of you new to the show, I promise that is the broiest I get. Fuck puppets. <laughs> that's that's really all I had. That's all I could come up with. Uh, what up, everybody? How you doing? Thank you uh, to all y'all who sent me birthday wishes over the weekend uh, for the big three one. It was much appreciated. Weird time to have a birthday, but hey, you know it was it was actually one of the better birthdays in recent memory. I spent it at my mom's place in Jersey, uh, not with Megan, because Megan has been protesting. She started protesting before the birthday, and I was going to leave my mom's house a few days after my birthday. But I didn't want to, my mom didn't really want to be exposed to the protest via me, via Megan, and I didn't want to rob my mom, you know, my mother, who's all alone in that house. Um, I didn't want to deprive her of, of a few extra days with her son, and another birthday. So, uh, so we, had, she was just a one-on-one birthday celebration. Um, started my, my morning off with my favorite breakfast as a kid, a, a two Eggo waffles with peanut butter and syrup. That was my staple breakfast, just very beige on top of beige with, uh, you know, with some Brown dripping all over it. That was, that was, that's my jam. Had some FaceTimes with my sisters, Obviously, a little FaceTime with Megan. Uh, mom, mom made me a steak dinner, and, and we talked about the past. I asked questions about me growing up, and and you know, cried a bunch. It was great. I I recommend this for anyone on their birthday. If you have access to the person who birthed you, if, I highly recommend asking every year. Ask for a story about the day you were born. But don't ask for like the story. Just like ask for a story. Like tell me something about that day. Because then every year, I promise you, you're going to get like new information from a story you've heard before. Or you'll get a whole other story about a different part of the day. Or from someone else's perspective. Played a little backgammon. Tried to watch a movie. My mom taught me how to roll a joint. It was a good birthday. Good birthday. Before we get to this week's guest, Yelena Alexich, I want to introduce y'all to Nina the owner and operator of Feelmore, a sex toy shop out in the Bay Area. I believe they operate shops uh, in in Oakland and Berkeley. Uh, Nina and I recorded an awesome bonus episode over the digitals last week. It was great. We got into, uh, you know, how they're just this hustler who grew up in Las Vegas and sold dildos out of their car and then eventually would come to own their own small business brick and mortar store really cool story but right now nina and i want to talk to y'all a little bit about um sex toy shops and the adult industry under lockdown under quarantine let's go have a little chat 
All right, I'm here right now with Nina, the owner and operator of Feel More, a sex toy shop out in uh, the Bay Area in, in Oakland in downtown Berkeley. Did I, did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. Uh, but, I, you know, I, want, I wanted to ask you about, you know, so you own uh, and operate a, a small business, mm -hmm. a, a sex toy shop, mm -hmm. and, you know, COVID-19 is happening. We have lockdowns going on. Uh, you know, there's some small business loan stuff going on. People are adapting their businesses, but like, you know, for, how are, how's feel more holding up right now? Uh, I'm tired as hell. I think every business owner in America right now has to be tired. Employees and workers have to be tired. Um, just a new cycle and the information and the, the changing chairs and musical chairs that's happening with COVID. But personally, um, I think I was built for this moment. Uh, unfortunately, you don't want to always stay in this this mode. You know what I mean? Like it's like a video game. You don't always want to go to the bonus round. You don't want to play at the bonus round level all the time. You know what I mean? That's like a bonus. Um, but uh, I'm I'm doing well. The store is doing well. We're keeping it clean. Still washing the windows. You know, delivering things and and making sure people got their got their goods. Yeah. So how are you, uh, how have you been adapting? I did not want to give away shit. Like, honestly, I think right <laughs> now, you know, I know there's a lot of, uh, you, you know, when you're competing with Amazon, you're competing with uh, same day and also price. Well, a lot of that same day wasn't really working because they were sending out essential items first. And uh, they were also back stock on a lot of sex toys. So people couldn't get shit. So, <laughs> so it yeah. was in my favor. So yeah, you, 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 no small business should be given a discount right now. Big businesses definitely will be, but small businesses can't really afford that. So I didn't want to set that tone just to like, Oh, 25% off because it's still based on the number of people that find you. So they're finding you for a reason, not for the discount, but for the product. So I wanted to make sure that we're consistent on the product and the customer service relaying our customer ser service through technology, which is very difficult. So we wanted to make sure that if you were in Oakland and you, you ordered an item or in Berkeley, I delivered it the same day. Like, mm -hmm. you didn't know that I was just like, Hey, since people are home, freeways are freer right now. It was like, I jumped in my car and I delivered it and people really loved it. So, you know, we, I had fun with it because I wanted to let them know who they were shopping with. Also, um, see the city, like to see the city, like I've never seen it before in places was just a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the major storylines that's been going on, um, you know, in the economy was the whole small business loan, P you know, PPP program. And, you know, it was meant for businesses that were like yours. And then these big businesses got the money, you know, not only are you dealing with that disparity between small business and big business, but you're also an adult business. Mm -hmm. which we know doesn't get treated uh, the same as everyone else. So how have you and other sex toy shops been running into a, um, a, a very particular unique snafu? No, I think um, with PPP or idle, you know, some people out there are getting idle and it's just, you know, the luck of the draw, you know, it, mm -hmm. and they, 
it, honestly, it's just a luck of the draw. You don't know systematically are people, is the system looking at you or are people looking at you or what happens, you know? So are they running your, you know, your business type? Or just, you, you, you have no idea. You're just like very grateful if you get something. And I know a lot of businesses out there got something, whatever that got something means. But, um, you know, it's just financially difficult for adult businesses uh, always. And what I, what I learned, one of the biggest lessons I learned was I needed more cash on hand than I ever thought. Because in the business, in the, in the beginning, you're always planning your business and, you know, you're preparing, preparing your financials and you're saying, okay, well, how much money do I need for the first month, that second month, you know, customers start coming, but you never, you never really plan for when customers don't come at all. Like, they're yeah. in lockdown, you know, like this is really, really uh, a good time and a not good time because it's a good time because I see a lot of businesses actually changing their models to what they really should have been in the beginning. You know, um, I think business owners, we've gotten lazy as well and, and not wanting to uh, do the small things, continue to innovate our business. And I'm, that's what I mean by the small things. And also keeping our businesses lean where you're not hiring more people than you need so that at a point of firing, you don't have to fire what you don't need. You know what I mean? Like everybody mm-hmm. should still be there with a job if, if you do it right. Like I didn't yeah. I didn't fire anybody. You know what I mean? Like there was no reason to fire anybody. We had stuff to do. People elected not to come in and just people like move cities and those kind of things. But uh, it, 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 you, I don't think you had to, if you were doing like your social media, really using your technology, honing your craft on your food and things like that, I think people would still fuck with you. And, and I'm, I'm seeing that with our business, people still really want to fuck with us. Mm-hmm. And and you were mentioning in the bonus episode, you're in like a group with like other small businesses. Are you like, do you talk to other independently owned sex toy shops in other parts of the country? Do y'all have a group chat about like what you're doing in, you know, Minneapolis versus here versus Austin or, or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, they, you know, we have a chat. We have a chat, the group chat set up for like a group thread, not a chat, mm-hmm. uh, set up with many stores around the country, but again, you know, those same issues don't really work for me. So I had to really listen to that, but be active over in the restaurant community, because right now I think for small businesses, restaurant and bars are taking, are really fueling the economy right now. So I would want to be around those guys to hear about the information with the changes that the cities are immediately making to make sure that they get in bit, you know, keep the city stay in business. You know what I mean? Like those revenues are really important to the city. Like what our city is doing right now for restaurants, they're going to allow them to operate on the sidewalk. ABC, which is an alcohol uh, tobacco, they actually uh, allow businesses to do to go liquor in the state of California where they didn't do that before. So Alameda mm-hmm. County. So people are doing exactly and I say people, organizations are doing exactly what they what they need to do to operate and to get tax revenues. And they're changing the game for businesses in the way that they should have been changed all, all, all along. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something I've been very curious about in uh, since shutdown and, and knowing that sex toy shops are going to go to online only for a while. Is <laughs> there a particular sex toy 
that spiked in an unusual fashion when when quarantine was going down. Oh yeah. I got I got to share it with you, but this one is still jumping off for us right now. It's called The Fantasy for Her Her uh let me get it. Hold on. It is a freaking suction product. Yeah, I'm on a page right now, but it's called Fantasy mm-hmm. for Her, Her Ultimate Fantasy. And it's a dildo insertable on one end and suction and tongue on the other end. Like people Stop have been crazy for this product. I mean, when I mean crazy, I mean crazy. They have gone bananas. Like, you know, even if we brought in products to this product to the store, we were at the point of selling it where we kept selling out. So I stopped bringing it in to ship it ourselves. It was just better to ship it from the distributor to the consumer and not to us and to the consumer. Cause we couldn't, I needed to have at least uh, 60 of these units and they're over a hundred dollars. Wow. That, that, that sounds like the perfect uh, mixture of toys. Cause like recently it seems like suction toys have been like all the rage you know, the same way that like the Hitachi was all the ra- like had its specific window popping off. Uh, and now it seems like, oh, that sounds like a nice combination of toys. Uh, that sounds like everyone who didn't have like a COVID partner to play with was just like, well, this will be my person for the next, you know, three to 18 months. You say that again for me. Oh, it just sounds like that's the type of toy where like every person who's single was just like, well, uh, this is going to be my partner for the next three to 18 months until there's a vaccine. Yeah, that too. And just, you know, people just wanted it because, it, you know, what's happening right now with social media, with social media is um, uh, social media is driving the sales of a lot of products just because people are creating their own content. It's like it, it, back in the day, remember, it used to be bloggers, you know, you'd have to go to their blog site, their website and figure out what was going on. Now the internet just creates a video and then everybody shares it. So Facebook in itself or, or Instagram or, uh, you know, Twitter have become their own blog in a sense where people mm-hmm. are just, you know, just almost Reddit, you know, like behavior and just, just going at it and talking about the product. And it's funny, the commentary, you know, it's just, it's just taking a life of its own. But that product, people are like, when say, for example, somebody goes on Twitter and posts the product and they're like, where can I get that? Or, you know, it's a product. I know it's sold out. I'll, I'll post links. I'll post like three, 400 links to a product that's similar to that product and, and jump into the comments to get attention, to get traffic to my website. That's what I do. Yeah. You hustle hard on the social media. Like I've been watching for the last like year or so. I fucking love it. I think you guys have a great uh, Instagram over there and, uh, and you'll hopefully sell me, uh, send me a link for that, for that fancy for her toy. uh, And I'll put that in the show notes of this episode. So Uh everyone who's like, well, I need to have it too if everyone yeah. else has it. Y'all yeah. can go get it over uh, at Feel More Adult. But uh, uh, folks, follow follow Nina and, and the shop on Instagram. Uh, I think it's at Feel More Adult, right? It is. And where can people go to uh, to shop some sex toys at your independently owned, feminist-owned sex toy shop? Uh, feelmore510.com. That's F-E-E-L-M-O-R-E-510.com. And when all these uh, lockdowns are lifted, if you're in the Bay Area, go check them out. Uh, I know next time I'm out there, I, I will certainly be by to say hello and, and maybe pick some things up. Yes. 
Uh, well, Nina, thank you so much for chatting with us. And I want to say goodbye to everybody one last time. Bye, everybody. Uh, that was lame. Bye, bitches. <laughs> Again, go check out Feel More. Order yourself something fun, something that buzzes, something that tickles, something that holds a partner down. And if you want to hear my full bonus episode with Nina, it's coming out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon for all of my $5 and up members. So if you want to get access to that bonus episode, as well as over a hundred others, head on over to patreon.com slash man podcast. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash man podcast. Speaking of Patreon, let's do a little quick fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I have to give a few shout outs to members of my fan whore community on Patreon. I spent the opening moments of my 31st birthday with my patrons. Uh, so right now I want to give a shout out to Richard Bolton. Richard Bolton sounds like an 80s movie star, man. Thank you for being a member. Thank you for supporting the show. I want to give a shout out to Endo. Let's uh, hey, let's vote out our our mutually dumb leaders with shitty hair come this year or whenever Boris Johnson's up for re-election. I'm not really sure. Maybe you'll tell me on our next phone call we're gonna have to do. Um, thanks for supporting the pod. A big old shout out and thank you to Raise Hell. That's what she goes by, Raise Hell. Oh, she raises hell with some fire nudes in the Peep Show. Lady, we're all very happy you've been coming out of your show with us. Thanks for sharing. And a big old thank you to Paige. Uh, I don't think that this is my ex-girlfriend, but, uh, you know, whomever you are, thank you for supporting the podcast with your doll hairs. Maybe shoot me an email and reassure me that, uh, you know, you're not my actual ex. Uh, and you too can become a member. Today, for as little as two dollars, you can join our uh, private discussion groups in the Champagne Room and the Peep Show, and access a whole bunch of other goodies. So, one last time, become a member today. Support the podcast that you love. Join up at Patreon.com/slash/ManWhorePodcast. Okay, so so folks, I know at the very very end of last week's episode, for for all y'all psychos who like me also listen until that time counter says zero zero zero. I I said that Franklin Vo is going to be the guest this week. Uh, that would be doing a two parter, and just you know what? Not it's look, it's not that most happy go lucky episode. It's definitely me having a difficult conversation. And although I'm very excited to put the, that episode out. We're in some divisive times, so I I would really like to be putting some happier content out there. And I am in the process of scheduling new episode recordings with uh, people in New York City who are comfortable meeting, you know, face to face and doing an interview. Part of the comfort level of that has got to be the fact that you know what we're all out of a lot of us are out of protests, surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. So I think doing a doing podcast, exposing yourself to one other person, ain't the end of the world. In the meantime, while while temperatures simmer, I'm going to be re-releasing a few of my free bonus episodes from Patreon. They are like the same length of what a normal podcast is that I do on here, except uh, I put them only on Patreon, but they were free. And because I get to see some of the diagnostic, the, you know, the numbers of it, pretty much only my patrons listen to it. 
So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be re-releasing uh, these free bonus episodes, but here on the main feed with uh, Andrea Allen, with Nina Hartley. Some of y'all might say I robbed you of a Nina Hartley episode. I would say uh, you were too lazy to go to Patreon and listen to them for free, but lucky for you, I'm putting it out here conveniently. And this week, folks, we're going to be hearing... My seventh grade crush, Yelena Alexich, uh, who is an artist photographer here in New York City. It was a really interesting reconnection because I haven't seen this woman since we were 13 years old. I have not seen her since in person since 2003. So it's like 16 years. That's what you're about to hear, this reconnection. Yelena also runs a great um, art project called The Confetti Project, which you'll hear about. Uh, You should definitely go check out. She's a great follow on the Instagram. Let's go hear me reconnect with my seventh grade crush. What a life. I I get to go dig up that kind of history for a living. What a world. No, it just blows my mind that, like, someone wouldn't want to take an opportunity to like clear the air with someone or be Mm. vulnerable or be super open. So for me, like when you reached out to be on your podcast, I was like, yeah, I was very intrigued for sure. Even though I don't know what we would talk about. (laughs) Well, you know, I thought, tell me why. Tell you why. Well, um, it it was when we're using your real name, right? Like, okay. Just checking. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk to like one of my like big grade school crushes yeah um on like a scale of like what are you talking about to that haunts me every day is like your memory of that whole time period of just being at in grade school like that yeah i mean it's so interesting because oh man that time i i did this this uh workshop with these 11th grade uh, 11 year olds and 12 year olds in california and i was like we were going around the circle talking about what we celebrate right like this central question about all my work and I honestly couldn't tell if they were just assholes or after each person went, I was like, wow, they're so nervous. You know, like they don't know other people. They're going on a circle. They're being asked this like inquisitive question, you know? Um, and I was like, wow, no amount of money like I would take to go back to that time. So honestly, I don't remember a lot from back then. Have even, you, so even if you high blo- school, I really block out all, I'm so driven to the present and the future that, and I think a lot of people do this, like mm-hmm. different self-defense mechanism, you know, cognitive patterns, all of that, uh, where, yeah, I don't really remember a lot from back then. That's you know? wild. Okay. But I do remember. <laughs> oh gosh, here we go. The one thing I do remember was you would call my house phone. Again, this was back in the day when but, we yeah. had house phones. <laughs> um, and you know, like just using little, the PTA directory. Because right. we had, that's how we had to look up phone numbers. Right. And mine was always in the, on the top because my last name started with an A. Yeah. And just a little context. Like I grew up in a really strict household. Mm-hmm. Like both my parents were Eastern European immigrants. All they cared about was me being good in school. That was like number one and yeah. being close to my siblings. And I wasn't allowed to date until after high school. So, when high school was over? Yes. So, which like I kind of abided by, but. Really, you can't like a relationship can't be serious when you have to conceal it, like from your family and your parents. So, yeah. um, so anyway, that's the context. And then here you are in, I think it was sixth grade. Just uh, a little close. There you go. I think it was sixth grade. I, I believe so. Sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're like calling the house phone. I, I vaguely remember poetry or something that you're saying, but that's all I remember. 
And then my dad finally picking up and just like intimidating the fuck out of you. <laughs> like, you know, like here was his daughter who literally, you know, has like six more years to go in terms of like when she's like allowed to date and yeah. even, you know, explore that part of herself. And here you are like, you know, uh, nervously, disrupting. nervously calling, by the way, like not with the swagger that some <laughs> of the other boys probably would have would have called with. Yeah. Uh, I would imagine there's a lot of mumble. I do not remember that interaction. And I remember certain weird. Was my dad, you mean? I do not remember in the slightest. I just, I don't remember what he said, but I think he was just super, super firm, like very Papa Bear and was like, stop calling the house or I will, you know, I don't even think he said call the police, but like he, he basically created a threat sure. for you not to ever call again. Yeah. So yeah. I, what, what do uh, you remember? I remember, so I remember <laughs> writing poetry and it's so funny because last night I recorded with this, uh, comedian Chris Calagero, who like he's very similar. And so we, we talked about the grand sweeping gestures and mm -hmm. the things of like what we think we're supposed to do to show you're interested from movies and everything. So mm -hmm. we thought like, Oh yeah, you write poetry and you do some sort of big <laughs> thing and you try to express you hold the boom box up. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I know I wrote you poetry mm -hmm. as well as who knows who else. I probably have it somewhere. Cause I, I sh like, Again, this will be a continuation, but I probably have it somewhere. I've I saved a lot of sentimental things from when I was younger, and it's in boxes. So, well, I, I distinctly remember riding my bike to your house and dropping off some kind of letter or poem or something. I, yeah. that, that's one of my main memories. Was yeah. I rode my bike? Up. So wait, so was that your first crush? Would you say, or one of the first? You, you were one of the big great. I would say the first one was uh was Athena. Oh my I was, gosh. Who that, was one of my friends in middle school? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was like, I mean, that's fourth, third, fourth grade or something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, you were, you were a distinct one in my mind. Yeah. And <laughs> I, the, another person who was, was like, do you remember Casey? Mm -hmm. He's again, all my friends at that time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it was eighth grade. I, I, I liked, I liked, liked, who knows? Mm -hmm. uh, I liked, Casey and so I called like on a maybe like a Friday or something and I was like hey would you like want to go out sometime don't know what that would have been because in Norwood New Jersey like what the fuck is a date yeah I guess uh at 12 but friendlies yeah <laughs> friendlies oh which is before you know, it got no torn more down yeah into another fucking bank so I called her and she's like oh no like I'm busy uh I gotta do something with my mom this weekend maybe another time yeah so the following Friday I called and was like hey would you like to go out and then she was like uh you know i got a thing i'm doing this that and the other side so may, maybe when i'm more free and then i called Aww. five fridays in a row wow uh until the fifth one where she was just like hey you know i just don't like you like that i see you more as like a friend and i was like oh okay no worries yeah. see you on monday and yeah. in my head i'm like why didn't she say that five weeks ago uh, totally. <laughs> i mean i think you could sum sum that up for really everything right even dating in your 20s 30s whatever just like being honest you know, it really saves a lot of miscommunication, like unnecessary suffering on either person's part, you know? So that's why for me, like I always admire people being super honest. And I actually did something a few months ago where I reached out to like every almost lover that I have or like even... even An almost lover? Yeah. Like from my, from my point of view of like someone that I really was smitten with or infatuated with or, or attracted to for whatever reason. Um, and then nothing ever really came of it, you mm. know? Um, and so it was left in my head to be ambiguous because it was on their terms, you mm. know, or people that I'd been involved with, um, 
And for me, like I'd always been someone that like chased connections, like mm-hmm. even if they lived in Australia, which is a true story. And so um, for me, like taking the passion I had as, as a child, I was always like, oh, well, there's an amazing connection here. Like, how could I not go after it? You know, um, kind of forgetting being pragmatic and, you know, just practical about the matter. Um, and so I was always on that receiving end of like being vulnerable of usually for me, I would like write something or design something like using my like creative skills. Um, and then the more vulnerable I was, like the more they would just kind of like back away, you know? Um, and so I, I did this, uh, activity where I reached out to every single one of those people, like it does people and i was like hey like from your perspective like what happened between us that, this but sounds it, very familiar <laughs> <laughs> it's a great premise I but, mean. It, but again i think i think for me like you need time to kind of like allow yourself to look back on it in hindsight for both parties you know and so within like an hour or two i was getting all these responses from like all of these people saying what happened from their point of view and i realized it wasn't even about me yeah. like it was literally about the context of the timing of their life you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i just indirectly got infected you know affected by it whereas a lot of girls are like you know he's not calling me or he's not you know reciprocating in whatever way um what did i do wrong like you start to automatically kind of like uh internalize it and like create this like doubt and and then that goes on into like your next encounter and such so so yeah i don't know how we got i don't know how we got to that but um do you remember why I was your crush, like why you liked me, I like in your you middle cute. school brain. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was it. A, it was as simple as that. You know, I mean, how how deep is a crush at twelve? Well, I also think back then, like as someone who, again, growing up in a really strict household, where like we, you know, I couldn't date, I couldn't really watch TV for the most part. Like, mm. I got really comfortable being in my imagination, so that like allowed for me to really cultivate being like, you know, a professional like fantasizer. You know, like I literally would fantasize like 80% of the time um, up until college. And it usually was mostly like sexual scenarios, you know, like mm. like with with people just with with circumstances, with moments like movie scenes. Only now is like at being at the end of my 20s has it been like about me and like my dreams and like visions of the future and all of that. Um, but I think back then, like as a middle schooler, you're uh, projecting your idea of the person mm. you know what i mean because you don't really know that person. oh 100 like it's, yeah. it's just so on that superficial level this you is know, an what you angel think and i'm in love with it. and then you right. find out like probably not nearly that much of an angel right. like you find out later yeah. wait so you were imagining sexual scenarios like in that time what do like you at, mean like, so at that young of since an age young. you were yeah since i was young yeah like romantic it doesn't just have to be sexual like intimate oh. romantic yeah so did you have crushes like uh you know when we were yeah. at Nora public yeah yeah i mean here's the thing i think so much of it is about like like clicks and you know just the just the dynamics right it's so political okay. right um so there were people that were known to be like top crushes like yeah. across the board for most girls you know what i mean it was a yeah he very was popular one. one he was one matt was another one um dean's i mean he was like he was hanging out with older people though he was like next level he looked older he sounded older alex i think was one as well um yeah i had crushes oh dominic i remember him when he came was yeah and they were all like sport guys that like were like looking back on it that were super vanilla yeah and like congregated together and were like the jock popular kids yeah yeah <laughs> that's so funny when, when when's uh when was your first kiss honestly when i was like i want to say like two or three 
Whoa, okay. Uh, this, is this going to be traumatic or is this no, going to be... No, okay. it was like well, maybe, maybe a little... I'm, I'm getting... So I went to this school called the European Learning Center. And okay. This is before I went to Montessori school, before I went to Nor Republic, which is where we went to school together. Okay. Um, and I remember, again, it was for kids where English was their second language. Were so, you born out of the country? or No, I was born here, but okay. both my parents are like super foreign. So yeah. I grew up foreign and Serbian was my first language. And so... I went to the school. It was super small. It was like in Fairlawn and, um, everyone else was from like another country, like Germany, you know, like France, whatever. And there was this German guy, this like blonde, blue eyed guy that boy, we're talking boy, two or three year boy, old. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Toddler. I think we were like a tad older. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so during recess, like, you know, we got to go out and there was like, you know, play and all of that. And there was this tunnel and it was like this metal tunnel that you can go into. And we started just like kissing like in there and it became a pattern. Like we did it a few times that became our spot. Um, like just kissing. I don't even know if it was like tongue or anything like that. I would hope not. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, we got caught. And I I remember, I don't remember a lot from when I was young. Mm. Like again, I just blocked so much out, but. I remember like the call when like, you know, the administrators like called both of our parents and they were like, this is what they did. And my, you know, but, but I, yeah, that was my first kiss. Super oh. young. Do, Super have you, young. Did, do, do you know like his name? No. I want to say, mm, you don't have to like, maybe it's not, Sasha. not to say here, maybe but like, Sasha. You, okay. but I would have no idea how to like, you would know, him. you would never be able to find this guy. I mean, maybe like 98, Could, it would take a while. It would take some research. You'd have to be calling a school, be like, you have records from. I don't even think the school's in existence anymore. It was a super small, these, this like Greek couple founded it. It was like in their mansion house. It was, yeah. This is a movie I would watch. (laughs) (laughs) Your search to find your first kiss Uh. from three years old. Uh, And then I don't, I honestly don't remember like after that. Cause I, again, I really wasn't allowed to explore those parts of myself in middle school or high school, really. Sure, sure. Even though I, I did date someone in high school, but it wasn't. Ooh, <laughs> what was the secret? What was a secret relationship like uh, in, in high school? Because I didn't get to go to a normal high school, yeah, you so went, like it was I all never. Boys, right? It was co-ed, but it was you know. Wait, it was what was just, it called again? It's called Hyde. Okay. No one, you know, no one ever. Wait, where is that? Is it in Bergen County? It was in Northeast Connecticut. Right. That campus is now closed, but I was yeah, that's where I was for four years. Okay, so you um, really like went away. Oh yeah, no, because yeah. I, I I wanted to escape. Like I wanted to go to boarding school. I didn't want to go to that school, but mm-hmm. I wanted to go to. I just want. I knew if I went to MVOT, like I maybe wouldn't have survived. No, totally. Um, I don't know if you know this, but oh, why would you know this? But uh, so I found out, like leading up to eighth grade graduation, mm-hmm. um, I was told that apparently they were like, "Oh, we're proud of you. You really went through hell and you got through it." And who's they? <laughs> Um, like faculty, yeah. like various faculty. Yeah. And then one told me, it was like, um, yeah, you know, I mean, cause hey, after Columbine, we had you on a red flag list. So like, good job not shooting up the school. It's so crazy. Not cause I was ever violent, but it was, I got bullied that much that yeah. they were like, we should keep an eye on him. We, we could stop. We could, you know, right, interrupt right, not, and fix the problem, right. but that's hard. Let's, right. <laughs> that's so wild. Yeah. So I, I got the hell out of there. I was yeah. like, I need to, I can't. No good on that. you for that. That's, yeah, that makes, that's fair. Yeah. Very so, fair. So you, you dated secretly in high school. How, how long was? Uh, that? I wouldn't say dated in the sense of like a bunch of people. I would say there was, so here's the thing. If like, again, I wouldn't advise anyone to do this. Um, but if your parents tell you that you can't do something, you try to find like loopholes around it. Right. right. Um, and so for me, it made sense to date someone that was in my, uh, like after school, 
like team like activity so i was on the swim team okay and so was he so like we were already spending hey you're like in bathing suits and you know all of that but you're already spending so much time together mm-hmm. you know like every single day so so it becomes easier to get away with that yeah. when your parents are looking at every single thing that you're doing you know when you're so that's kind of how it started yeah and then and then it got to the point where I'd be like, oh, I'm going out with my friends. And I would like go to his house and like his parents were totally normal and fine with it and all of that. So I had like a secret relationship. But again, it wasn't for me, like it wasn't serious because mm. it could never be serious. Like if I couldn't tell my parents about it and, and really had to compartmentalize those parts of my life, like it wouldn't, I never saw it as like for real. What was it like? To, like how, what effect do you think that had on you and your sexuality? Yeah. Well, I, looking back on it like i hated it at the time like i was like you guys are crazy like i hate you like no like all the other girls get to give hand jobs and buses why not me exactly and also it's hard when you're bicultural like you're the household is you know european or eastern european and then you're going to school in america and they're Mm. very opposing so i already had hard a hard time specifically with my mom Mm. you know like just always butting heads um but this was more of my dad. Like my mom was always pretty lax. Like we would, we would talk about like when she started dating and she was vis- very laissez-faire about it. But my dad was just very like, he had three daughters. He was like, you were only focusing on school. Um, I loved it because I really did very well in school. Yeah. You know, I was able to very much, um, like foster a sense of my own self identity, mm-hmm. you know, create the foundation for that and like just really focus on like, reading writing like i i mean i'm a nerd like i love that stuff you know so and i also got to see with my friends like how dangerous it can be to explore relationships when you're in in that developmental time of adolescence and you go like boy crazy right and then and then you're in these relationships and like they could be toxic or you know who knows what love is or you know whatever the intentions are for both parties um and then you could like not take your SATs because you didn't study in time or like, like it could really be this like very, um, which isn't even a possibility in your household. It's like, no, no. that's just a thing that happens. No, it's like you study like a year in advance and like every (laughs) single weekend, like leading up to it. Um, so honestly, I like that. Like I actually thanked my dad for creating such a strict environment, like after the fact, because, Mm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I didn't get to like go after every, like I'm a very passionate person and I'm super creative and I'm like, just again chasing after connections or ideas and i think that would have been very dangerous for me as as a teenager you know um at the same time i think we're all sexual beings you know Mm. we live in such a puritanical country but still um but i remember one of my earliest memories again it's very salient because i don't remember a lot from this time so the fact that i do is kind of wild Mm. but i remember as a kid like you know at that point where you start realizing like he's a boy i'm a girl you know like you start kind of being more aware um and so i remember at some point i brushed up against like the corner of a table and in my you know three-year-old four-year-old whatever head i was like oh this feels good you know? And so I started making a habit of it, like literally just brushing up against corners of tables, not like everywhere, but like, it, you know, knowing enough that it should be in private or whatever, um, probably to the point of orgasm, but being, but not knowing what it is. I didn't have like, you know, words for these things. I wasn't really rationalizing what was actually happening. I was just like, Oh, table, me, like coming together. This feels good, you know? Yeah. And then I remember my mom walking in at one, one time when I was doing this and just like, shame and like guilt and like what are you doing and like you should never do that and like oh, she did that oh yeah. okay and um 
I don't really remember a lot, but those are the main emotions that I sure. remember from that. And so from then on, like, even though, you know, I didn't lose my virginity until after high school, mm. um, this relationship with porn started happening mm. where that became my like kind of secret world of like pleasure, even though I couldn't do it with someone else or like whatever. So yeah, it, oh. it was, it was like a secret world for me and, and part of like a rebellion. I went again, we weren't really allowed to watch TV. So I remember it was like late at night, like past oh. midnight. And I went down to the basement and put on the TV, you know, being like, oh, this is like, you know, rebellion. And then... Cinemax? Yeah, it was on one of those. And it, it was softcore. But yeah. like, it, it was like a storyline with like a plot. And then there were th- these scenes where they would be naked. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? Yeah. I remember it was like a woman, like a working woman. And she was like in this... She was like a reporter. I was like in this broadcasting room. And she like deleted the tapes. And then this other guy was in there. And then they started like hooking up. And then it was accidentally recorded. And then someone else found out that was like a boss or higher up. But yeah, that was like the beginning of that path. And then I think I started exploring on the computer and all of those things. And yeah, it was always something that I did in my room. And again, I got a thrill out of it. Cause yeah. I was, and, and also like, I always felt like my parents thought of it as like bad, like sex is bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like certain religions there, you know, whatever the puritanical kind of paradigm. Um, so for me, I was like, how could it be bad if it, I'm feeling good from it? Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's me, what makes you know? it bad. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's wild. And, and so you don't feel like you are you got stunted sexually from, like, your parents' rules or when your mom, you know, yelled at you or whatever? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I The way that I see it is, like, I pretty much – it felt at the time that, like, everyone else was participating in this thing called life and that I was in this little bubble, mm-hmm. you know, because my parents, like – my dad specifically was just so overprotective of sure. us. And I remember I went to Burning Man last year and uh, one of the my campmates who's, like, a medium and uh, she was – she kind of started channeling my dad. And she was like, yeah, he had to be really overprotective with you because you were such, like, an open and nice – like welcoming person like i remember as a kid i would like run after kids in the playground you know and you know and they would always take advantage of me like not in a sexual way but you know just like fucking with me you Mm. know and my dad would see this and he would say like yelena like you're too nice like it's beautiful and it's pure but like that's not how the world works and i remember always finding myself like in middle school middle school was like the death of me like coming from montessori and private school to like all of a sudden you know it's like all these clicks and there's 30 kids in a class and people are running and cursing and like you're with the plebeians in public school (laughs) yeah with the muggles yeah it was yeah and uh i just kept finding myself in these positions that i didn't want to be in because i was so overly compliant and Mm. and such um but but she was like yeah your dad kind of had to protect you during that really like vulnerable time of being very like as a teenage girl, like you're so impressionable, you know? Yeah. Um, and that made, made a lot of sense to me. I think, I don't know if I was stunted. I think I found my way. Yeah. <laughs> like even if it was in solitude, um, and independently, I think that was probably the best for me. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I think I like that I w- was a virgin until after I graduated high school. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So did you find that you, like, there was no real holding back when you got to college and out of college like you like you felt like you could explore and there was no because some people like if if their mom walks in or dad walks in like yells at you for like say masturbating like for some people that just causes a block right where they don't masturbate or like they can't orgasm because they're because it's all they're being yelled at it doesn't sound like you really had that just sounds like it was all a delay where it was like fine i'll wait but it doesn't seem like you got held back by it no i just thought they were crazy because it's so primal 
normal. Mm. You know what I mean? And I was always so blown away, even like in in a school setting, like how much people aren't honest and like living in their truths. Like there's so much BS and red tape and all of that. Mm. And like any moment of our day-to-day lives. So for me, I was like, this is a beautiful thing. Like it should never be um, seen as anything but that. Yeah. you know in its purest form so i just kind of like compartmentalize what they thought okay yeah and so and so now now you are an adult and out in the world and do i so it, it's it, so i don't know like fucking anything about you since because we haven't actually since seen each grade. other in like 16 years <laughs> uh so it, i'm like like who like who are you what like because so i because i first like you became conscious in my brain when i saw like lila posting yeah like her confetti shots with you yeah. and i was like like how did you so i was like wait how one oh yelena like yeah. that's a person um and then i was like how in the world is she intersecting with mm-hmm. this world that like i'm in which yeah. is i don't know if you like do, i don't know if you go to play parties or not but since you know like that's that area yeah i'm like where what's her intersection here like how mm-hmm. did you get connected with her like what's your what's your deal <laughs> yeah um i think through this project again i've been doing it for four years mm-hmm. so um it's been like this ripple effect of of there always being like a, de- a degree of connection between everyone mm-hmm. you know so like me and her probably have a lot of friends in common um most people that come here i know through someone my network is pretty ma- big mm-hmm. you know but with that said i don't really have a social life Okay. You know, it's like the way that I meet people is through the confetti project. Well, how'd you, how'd you meet her in particular? Like what was, I met her when she first came. No, no, no. But like, I mean, like how did, how did she come to come here? That might be a better question for her. I'm not really sure. I think it was probably from a friend of mine, but again, okay. like people do this and then they post their photos and then usually what happens is other people see it. And then they're part of this like sparkle tribe of people that are like, that's amazing. Like I need to, you know, and then they, they end up coming. So like, it, it's not uncommon when people come in here. Um, they see people they know on the wall. Yeah. You know? so, so, so it's not like you and Lila are tight necessarily. Like it's not no. like y'all are hanging. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I thought when I saw that connection, I, and I saw those pictures, I was like, I thought maybe you were like, part of the i don't know hacienda whatever scene or anything like that so that's not even your world i would say my worlds are like the confetti project and commuting i would say those are commuting? most of my worlds commuting back and forth from new jersey to new york gotcha yeah I don't, are you still living back there or? not not from where we're from but oh. uh in cliffside park gotcha yeah gotcha. right by the gw bridge so okay. for me like I, it's coming i'm 29 now and so i'm really kind of looking at the, my 20s like it's this beautiful kind of retrospection of it of like I started this when I was 25 okay, and so many milestones have happened within it from like my dad dying to my Mm. sister having cancer to people that have done this that aren't around anymore. Like, um, again, the, 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 um, what do I say? It's like the darkness behind the sparkle, you know? Um, and so really with that, it's like, I've been just trying to fight to keep this alive and just to really because i'm full-time with this now and Mm. so congrats thank you i know it's it's wild um but i haven't really had time to like have a social life to be honest so you don't date even no wow it's it's funny it goes from like you know being accidentally celibate right because my my parents were like you can't date until high school or until Uh. after high school and then going to college like naturally rebelling like in every way like in in every like drinking like just like not really going to class i mean what was the haircut uh what was the rebellious haircut it probably wasn't cutting my hair to be honest i mean it's still the same but um and so i got my nose pierced that was one thing that was like the the rebellion and then i started having like 
sex all the time. And it, me and my friends at the time called it lacrosse-tutes, where like you would just exclusively date lacrosse players. I had a, it, I had a high school teacher who called herself a lacrosse-tutes, <laughs> which is all sorts of weird to hear when you're 14. <laughs> it's, it's super weird because like A, like – if you're if you play D1 lacrosse in college, like you don't really go anywhere from that. Like it's not like you go to the NBA or like, you know, it's just okay, you I mean there's a professional, you know, league and stuff, but it's not like you're, a commercialized sport. You yeah, know? no, those guys those guys have day jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And so two of my best friends just happened to be lacrosse players, these two girls. And so we just happened to be like our dorm rooms were close to them. Like mm. that became our first kind of community of people, you know, um of, of Did guys. you start referring to people you bang not by name but by position? No. Be like, oh, no, I got the set, the midi. Oh, yeah. I could have, but, and then, and then, you know, and then a lot of that, you know, went from not having sex to like having sex, usually drunk or blacked out, Mm -hmm. you know, and that always creates more of a complex scenario, you know? Um, and then dating a lacrosse player for like a year. And that was like probably one of like the most, like the, the only relationship I've ever really had, like to that degree where we were like legitimate couple. Legitimate couple, but you still went to Australia for somebody. No, that happened later on. I didn't actually go, but I would have. Again, that person was like, "We don't live in the same city. Like, this isn't gonna work." He was being like rational. We'd be like, "No, we can make it happen." Totally, totally. Um, so then I went like no sex to like having a lot of sex to having a boyfriend, my first boyfriend, and then yes, since then like being on and off celibate, like Mm. sometimes accidentally, accidentally, sometimes not. But yeah, I just. I tell my friends, I'm like, I just happen to not, you know, get pregnant or have to think about being on the pill or any contraceptives because I've just like abstained from it. Mm. Cause I've just like went this artistic route and like for me, both like I needed my independence as a 20 something year old to mm. really like for my creativity to really like be cultivated as part of my central identity. Mm. And it, it didn't, it's not that I like didn't have opportunities or I couldn't have gone after things, but, um, for most of it, I ultimately subconsciously made the decision that like I didn't want to have a partner. Even though I was running after connections and such, it just happened to be like they didn't continue them. So it kind of made the decision for me. Looking sure. back on it, I'm super stoked about it. Um, but, so, yeah, in bet- but, but, but in between like, you know, just because you don't have a partner doesn't mean you can't be casually having sex or having... I don't know for me that I can. Gotcha. I think for me, I've noticed the times that I've had sex, it's so... Like, my emotions are so correlated to it. And and then, you know, like, those times when, like, guys would reject me or, like, what I felt was, like, rejection, like, I would go down, like, a mental, like, melancholy. Like, I would be so depressed, you know? Um, So something happens within me when I have sex with someone that I start getting, like, attached to them. Okay. For for most of my 20s. I think that's started to shift now. Fingers crossed for you. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? But I also think I'm just the type of person that, like, is just monogamous, you know, and is like a relationship type of person. So I am not, I wouldn't be surprised if like the next relationship I'm in will be the father of my first child, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, so you're, <laughs> well, well, so is there an ideal scenario where you're able to blend this artistic life and I mean, a dating life, let alone a social life? When it, when I'm financially stable. Yeah. Yeah. And right. I live in the city. Sure. It's hard. It's it's super hard. It's like I'm, you know, thinking out it takes two hours each way to get here, so that's four hours a day commuting. So when I'm in New Jersey, I'm like you grandma don't drive mode. In, you take the you take the bus. On the weekends I do. Mm-hmm. But 
um i like just taking the bus because it's like at the front of my building and you get to kind of like relinquish control and like read and such but like i'm constantly on the go it's very hard to be spontaneous when Mm. you're a commuter you know it's like you're in the city but you're kind of an outsider and you have like your bag with you and you have to it's not even a matter of commuting it's like your whole life has to be shaped around like a bus bus schedule schedule. yeah yeah and like (laughs) getting on the subway at a certain point to make the bus like those are the worst times like in transit times um so so yeah i mean i just got i was in la uh last month and i was there for three weeks and i was staying with someone and i we it was one of those things where like i was like this is an experiment like we're either gonna be partners or we're not oh so this Um, is is a potential person yeah this was recent um and i only lasted five days (laughs) What happened? Well, think, let, let's start with how do how are you connected to this person? Like, how are you meeting yeah, this person yeah. that it gets to this place? So I don't use like online dating or anything like that. Like okay. I, and also my job, like I get paid to like connect with people, you know? So it's hard. Like even if I don't have a social life per se or a lot of it, like I'm still getting that human connection, you know? And I'm mm-hmm. still able to ask people like really deep, uncomfortable questions, you know, all the things I love to do anyway. And so, um, Usually how I meet people is like, again, one of the perks of being a commuter is like statistically you're crossing paths with so many people, Mm -hmm. you know, and I just love organic, organic, like in, you know, in real life uh, encounters, you know, so that's what happened in LA. I was like renting some photo gear and this guy was like renting it to me and he was like smitten with me. Like I could just tell. And I remember at the time thinking like, you know, I was so tired and I remember like my face was breaking out. My skin is like my ultimate stress response. So I was like, why is he talking to me? Like I have acne. Like I remember thinking that I I felt very, uh, probably the most unattractive that I've ever felt. And he was just talking. And the first thing he said was like, I'm sorry. Like I haven't had human interaction for three days. I've been working on a script. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I totally understand. Like here was another artist that like really, um, kind of isolated himself, you know, to, for the pursuit of his artistic ambition, you know? And so just right off the bat, I was like, we're part of the same, you know, we're going through the same thing, you know? Um, and then we, we like hung out once we had this like amazing like nine hour date um and then after that we like talked like every single day like across both coasts when i was here in new york those nine hour dates are dangerous i know i know seriously that (laughs) happened to me at burning man once too again learning lessons all around but um and so we started fostering like this emotional connection talking every single day like Mm -hmm. on the phone again great time like when i would be commuting to like call him up or and i think in hindsight like we were perfect for each other in the sense where we were supporting one another like he was about to make his first feature film like i was you know going on with what i was doing and doing all these things with confetti project and so um it was a great like creative um like respect Mm -hmm. and also just like camaraderie um and so he was super um communicative and vulnerable which was very new for me because like i'm always the one that's like that you know but he would be like you know, I envision you having my children or, you know, just what? these wait, things. Wait, wait, what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just these things. And like, I... That's not scary to hear? It's... One date? It's not... It's not scary to hear because, like, I love vulnerability and I would never tell someone, like, you're being too vulnerable. Yeah, but there's a difference between vulnerability much. and, like, tact or, like, red flag warning signs or, or there's that new term people like to say, love bombing. Love bombing. Um, yeah, like when you get, uh, yeah, my last ex like sent me, uh, like five articles on love bombing because they were accusing me of doing such. And yeah. then I was like, none of these are things that I do. What is I, it? Um, it's basically the idea of like when you're like overdo, you're basically overdoing it very early, trying to get this person in like very large 
gestures, right. saying I love you insanely too quick, making um, constant communication, making future plans, maybe after like a second date. Yeah. You know, if someone were to say like, we should go to Mexico in August and you just met in February and you've been on three dates, like yeah, th- that type of stuff. Totally. Um, it was actually funny because one of the articles about love bombing that my ex sent me during the relationship was written by a woman I hooked up with several <laughs> years prior. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, like this is weird. Uh, it's ugh. a small world. I feel I was like I felt like Lakin was just telling me to my face why I suck. I was like, okay, <laughs> but just like ch- change the title. Yeah, it's like, like uh, this is not yeah. about Billy, but <laughs> it's totally about Billy. Yeah, no. Um, but, 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 but somebody, it was someone scary. saying after only going on one date, like yeah. I I imagine you having my children. Right. To a lot of people, would be not like it's just like a red flag for some people, as if like right. maybe there wasn't a, a filter because. And I'm Mr. Vulnerable, yeah. but I'm learning how to have a filter so I can be like somewhat appropriate. Right. I think the reason why it didn't scare me was because I, not to that degree, okay. like my big gestures are like, like creative works. Like I remember mo- many times, even with that Australian guy, like I wrote things I've learned from you and they would be like these really like one liner witty things from like really sexual to just, you know, life, life kind of epiphanies. And I would pair them with like a confetti photo and make it into a zine. Like that's my version of like a big gesture, yeah. you know, but because I was always that person and I, was on the receiving end of like someone, you know, being scared and like seeing that as a red flag or like, you know, being like, it's not good timing or, you know, whatever practical Mm. reasons like are are the reason for that. I understood. Like I, I was like, okay, like he's definitely getting carried away. And I told him, I was like, you know, stay in the moment with me. Like I would say certain things and we even, what are you a movie character? (laughs) Just hold the hand, be like, stay in the moment with me. Don't, let's not talk about future. I mean, let's dude, stay right here and right now. I mean, I'm a visual storyteller. He's a director, writer, you know, so we're both super, yes, we love a good story for sure. Um, and so I think that's why I had that empathy, like to uh. not, to not like be scared. And, but it kept being this continuing kind of thread of like, you know, me being like, okay, like whatever you want to say. Cause you know, again, we've heard those interviews, right? Like, like say you're watching an interview with like a celebrity or like someone that's notorious. And you know, the guy asks like, how did you and your wife meet? Or, you know, blah, blah. blah. And you know, there are many like anecdotes that are like, well, I walked into this room and you know, I saw her from across the room and you know, the guy next to me, I was like, I'm going to marry her. Like you've heard variations of that, you know? And so I was like, this might be it. Like maybe, you know? Um, but I kept having to tell him like, whatever you want to say, like cut it in 50%, like say it half the time, because you could think those things. Like we all have these intuitive thoughts and all of that. But like, there's a strategy to when you say them. Like, mm-hmm. again, timing is everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and so anyway, the reason why I only, I only, uh, lasted five days was because, I mean, he had a small apartment oh. and it's very intimate when you're sharing a space with yeah. someone, just like when you're traveling with someone for the first time. Um, also, I went there to finish my book. You know, he was feel- like testing his feature film and we both really, um, did not realize how we needed our own space. You know, it's like when I'm writing about like this book and revisiting when my dad was dying and, you know, really beautiful and painful parts of my life. It's like, I need to be in a cave. I need to isolate myself. I need to like listen to my voicemails for my dad. I need to like be in a place where I can be like super, super vulnerable. And it usually ends up with like sobbing on the floor and then feeling this beauty within the suffering and all that. And his space, like I couldn't do that, you know? And it, and long story short, it just ended up being this thing where like 
he felt out like I was judging him, which I probably was. And then there was like this resentment and tension that was built up, you know? Um, and How so, long yeah, did you I plan left. this stay? Three weeks. And then so, so after five days, you're like, I, I'm going to go get an Airbnb, crash at a friend's house. Like, yeah, it was an expensive mistake. It was like, it was like <laughs> an expensive mistake. Yeah. It was That's like the title of the chapter. <laughs> yeah. It was like a $2,000, oh. $2,500. Yeah. Cause the thing is, is like, it wasn't, like I noticed it not working and then I was like, okay, let me wait until Wednesday so I can have two weeks in an Airbnb. Like mm. it became very, and really he, ex- that's when the discount kicks in. You got to be smart about these things. versus like two and a half weeks. Sure, like yeah. that to me felt different financially. He was offering a space to help me mm. financially, you know? Um, and so I remember like waking up on Sunday and at this point, you know, like I had a stomach ache for 12 hours and I was getting like rashes in my skin and I was just about to start my cycle, which is like, a very vulnerable time, you know, where you're in pain as a woman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't be here. Like, I just like, can't be here. Like everything was telling me like, it doesn't matter how much it costs. Like if my dad w- was in my head at that point, he would be like, go like get a hotel room. Um, and so then I was like, I'm going to get an Airbnb. And, and it, again, we were very much on the same terms. Like he was like, yeah. And I was like, and I don't, I think we should just be friends. And he was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. I think we ruined any, any potential of it because of being in such close parameters with each other so early on, you know, it's like you skip like 20 steps, you know, getting to the point of like cohabitating. Um, and so, yeah. And then I, I voiced that I don't want to see him for the rest of the trip. Just, and he was like, you know, you don't have to say that. And I was like, I'm saying a boundary. Like, it's not a matter that I don't like you. We, from the very beginning, we were like, we will always have respect for one another and be fans of each other as like artists, you know, and humans. But, um, yeah, we haven't spoken since. (laughs) i'm only just now starting to like understand or respect like my relationship with like my creativity and my career Mm. where i realize like so i i broke some uh something off like about a month ago with Mm -hmm. someone who i was like seeing casually for a few months but what does casually mean i'm this is something i'm like what are the kids doing these days like how do you define these terms (laughs) because i'm just so removed from everything Um, i told her up front just the idea of like we this is one of my things with like something like a Tinder when people say like no hookups. So like, do you mean no one night stands or no hooking up? Because they're, they're very different things. I right. like hooking up. I don't like one night stands. Right. So casual in this scenario is it, are you seeing other people or are you exclusive? Uh, well, so I'm just a non-monogamous person. So I just won't be, ex- I haven't been exclusive since Arissa. Okay. Um, I, I think casually dating is just like we spend time, like we go on dates before we're fucking. Right. And then there's people like you just hook up with where it's like maybe on a rare occasion we go out and do something, but it's usually like drinks and fucking. Mm. Um, and for me, dating seriously is when I'm, I'm feeling all the tingles and jingles and I'm like, Oh, this is a person I think about all the time. And I didn't feel that way for her. Mm-hmm. I could tell she definitely felt that way towards me, but that also I was like, I don't have time. Like I'm doing so much right now. I'm probably doing more right now career wise than I, I think I ever have. Awesome. And. I'm just like, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to give you even the attention. Like one, I can't give you the the emotions you probably would prefer. I feel, I don't even know if I can give you the time and attention mm-hmm. because I've like, I got to take care of my main baby right now. I got, I got, if you, if you separate comedy with the podcast, now I've got two babies I got to take care of. Um, it's just a, it's just a triad of creativity yeah. relationship or whatever. And, uh, no, it, it for sure. Yeah. I, I think. Like I now think, I like, I know I like dating. I love dating. And I'm like, I can't date date right now. Right. Like I can hook up with some people. I can have some fun, but like, I know I can't give what I would like to give when I'm in a relationship yeah. right now. And that's a very new feeling for me. Cause I've, 
I normally crave like the acceptance of others or attention yeah. or like chasing, right? And I'm like, I think now finally finding my foundation where women aren't at the bottom of it, mm-hmm. holding everything up. Uh, mm. and, and I'm like, learn how to reorient what dating is for me, what, you know, sexuality is for me and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's new. It's different. I'm here, but, but in, by hearing you speak, I'm like, I, I'm like, I feel like I'm where you were, you know, a way while ago mm. and hearing kind of like the, the tail end of it. No, but I'm right. I'm right there with you because through all of this with this guy, um, I realized like most of my twenties, like, the victim part of myself, like the, the most insecure story that I believe about myself is that I'm not worthy of long-term love, you mm-hmm. know, longevity because I haven't really dated in my twenties, you know? Um, you know, and here are my, you know, it's hard. It's like, it, it, I don't really compare. I know I'm like off the grid, like I'm rogue, like I'm an artist, I'm bohemian, whatever. But, you know, seeing everyone in relationships or getting married or starting families or all of that, that are like my same age, you know, I start to think like, Oh, you know, you know, why am I only worthy of these like amazing nine hour dates, you know, and nothing more, you know? And I'm thinking, why am I only good enough for sex? Why aren't, why, you know, why am I not good enough to be the boyfriend? Right. Totally and so, you. so I always have that insecurity, like no, no matter what, you know, but my creativity helped me. My creativity yeah. made me feel less lonely or whatever, you know? Um, and so with this guy, he was this thing that came right at me. And I remember I was like, this is very like woohoo, but I was in Venice in LA and I was at this full moon circle like at a yoga studio and they were saying like write down th- we were going to go into Mercury retrograde for the month this is in March so they were like Mercur- Mercury seems to always be in retrograde much, yeah. okay just checking um, but <laughs> it, this was like in a more extended one and so she was like pr- practicing no like only focus mm. on three things this month you know mm. and then you had to write down it was like a journaling exercise of like the three things and at the end of it, for me, it was like being in a long-term partnership. You know, it's like the last time I was in one was in the beginning of my 20s. Like, I'm such a different person. I mean, mm-hmm. losing my dad when I was 26, like I went from 26 to like 40. Like in the, in the sense, and also smoking a lot of weed, like you just get so meta and existential about your life, you know? And so it'd be cool to see like, what would it be like to be in a relationship now? You know, me in this form at this age at 29. Mm-hmm. And so um, with this experience with this guy, I realized like, wow, this whole time I was like feeling bad about myself that I haven't dated, but actually what would it look like? Like what would a relationship that I would want to be in actually look like? Like what would I bring to the table? And I got a little snippet of it being in such close quarters with this person that I was like, wow, relationships, like it's so easy to like, like glamorize them, right. And romanticize them, but they take so much work you're gonna be the chick who's like i want my own bed like when you get married is or with a long-term partner whatever you're gonna be like we're still gonna have separate bedrooms i feel like that's gonna be your vibe or (laughs) you know what's so funny that you see that is because when i was with this kid he had he had a full-size bed and i don't like it when people touch me when i'm sleeping because i'm i run so hot that like if someone is touching me like i just start to overheat and i feel like i can't relax and i can't sleep Mm. and so i was having these sleepless nights like in his in his space like in you know and i'm like holy fuck like three weeks and he thinks he's being so cute and charming well no we talked about this before and you know it was the (laughs) scenario where he was like yeah like we'll cuddle before bed and then you'll be like yeah like then you'll tell me like okay now it's time to go to our separate corners and sleep you know so but i just remember feeling that way and then i he mentioned that he had an air mattress and so literally like the last few days being there 
I would have an like a bougie queen amazing air mattress next to his full size bed, and I was like, this is fucked up. Like this is so like wow like fast forwarding like 20 30 years from now or something right of like but yeah um no i would like to think that we would have a king size bed okay and we would just both have we would be able to meet in the middle and then we would both have you know our independent spaces so after this scenario i was like wait this whole time i thought i wanted to be in a relationship i don't want to be in a relationship mm. right now like my relationship is like creating the foundation for what i've been working on for the past four years you know the confetti project it's like this is this is my baby this is my first brainchild and it's like i don't really see myself being in a relationship and being able to give and be the person that i want to be it's like in that scenario i felt super powerless i was like poor living in this guy's place and like how many people are in that scenario in new york city alone where like they've broken up but they have to be in the same apartment with the other person and it's really torturous you know in the process of healing and so i was like wow like if i had more money like obviously money doesn't you know like bring all the happiness in your life. But like, I just felt like this is not the version that I want to give someone. It's mm. like, I want to be on my own two feet. I want to be independent. I want to be financially abundant to then be able to attract a long-term relationship or find my equivalent or whatever. Mm. So it's, I had that epiphany as well. Yeah. It's been a really big reframe from being like, Oh, I'm a victim. Like I suck. I'm not desirable to like, Oh wow. Like I'm amazing. I always knew I was amazing, but like, <laughs> like I'm awesome. But now being like, I'm I was an early adopter of Yelena is amazing, by the way. No, no, uh. <laughs> In my awkward stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so now it's really empowering. Yeah. I, f- I mean, do you feel empowered? I am. I don't feel empowered. I'm trying to first just get comfortable because like my paradigm is I have been uh, I was raised to feel like I am worthless and not someone who like is attractive or anything like that. Even within your family? Because I know well, it was just you and your dad as like the the guys in the family, right? Yeah. And then all women. Everyone in my family is attractive and or super sociable. Like my dad, everyone loves my dad. Yeah. Uh, my sisters are who they are. Uh, even my mom, people are like, oh my God, your mom's like 50, whatever. And she, she's gorgeous, right? Yeah. right? Everyone was varsity sports, lots of friends, super popular. And then there was me. Yeah. So I never even fit in there. Yeah. Um, and so when I got to college and out of college, then there's this new world where like I am desirable and I'm, I basically kind of fucked my way through my twenties. And now I'm in this place where like, I'm just getting comfortable where all I wanted for so long was someone to love me. I had a couple of those. And now I'm like, I really just want to kick ass at these things that I'm doing and making. And there's other things I want to make. And if I had to commit like one to two days a week for one person, that's more than just like, let's have some fun after drinks. I don't think I could. I don't think, I don't think my first of what, you know, three or four books, I don't think that one gets written Mm. if I have that relationship. I don't think I ever start writing a script or like have the time to, you know, take a screenwriting class. I don't think any of these things can happen yeah. if I'm in a long, you know, that the type of relationship that I like to be in. Like, yeah. cause I don't want to be, um, a lesser version of what I like to give. So yeah. yeah so I don't know if I feel empowered yet, mm. but I am starting to get comfortable with just even the idea of this. And that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, y'all know, thank, this was great. <laughs> uh, nice seeing you after 16 years. You as well. Uh, Thanks yeah. for having me. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the confetti, uh, the confetti project? Yeah. It's a photography series that profiles amazing humans doused in like pounds of confetti, um, exploring what they celebrate in their life. So before I take any photo, I ask the person, even when they know I'm going to ask it, even when they're paying me, like asking someone, what do you celebrate in your life right now? Like if you had to check in with yourself and really think about like, what's important to me? Like, what do I stand for? What am I inspired by? 
everyone stops in their tracks. It's really wild. And then you mix it with so, like a lot of confetti, which a lot of people haven't experienced that sensation. Um, it becomes this like therapy session. This transformation happens where the first time someone throws confetti, it's like all of their anxiety, stress, like whatever circumstances are happening in their life is like checked out the door and they're able to drop in and just be so present, even if it's for like a split second. So that's pretty much the goal of it. I, I've coined it this celebration therapy. Yeah. Just because it's like the confetti seduces people in, you know, and you know, it becomes part of this whole like narrative of like, it's super Instagrammable and it's really pretty. And like <laughs> life is so much fun. Like this whole thing of like really putting a hierarchy on like, I should be happy all the time. Yeah. But then when you come in and experience it and it's like deep, uncomfortable questions and then confetti and then a gallery of other humans, you know, that all look different that are all just so in the moment, present in the moment. Um, you know, those people know that it's way more meaningful than that. So I'm at this like inflection point with it where I'm saying no to a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I'm not in the financial position too, where, you know, it's hard, like as an artist, I, I don't know, tell me if you, if you can empathize, you know, you're so grateful to be able to do what you love. You know, you know, that's not the case for everyone. Thank you. Patrons listening <laughs> <laughs> that you can, um, allow that to, you can become a participant in you devaluing yourself mm -hmm. because when someone comes to you and they're like, can you do this? And you're like, Oh my God, yes, totally. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And then you're realizing like, wow, like this is not aligned with my integrity or they're paying me half as much that I'm worth or yeah. really like the time and everything that goes into creating what I'm creating. So I'm at this inf inflection point of like really breaking the no mold of like, Oh, this is way more than just Instagram. This is like, changing people's lives and perceptions and you know there there are people around that that aren't here anymore and like i've literally been in the position where um i've given their grieving family and friends like these photos of their loved ones like so in the moment like and telling what they celebrate like the essence of who they were at that given moment in time so so yeah it's cool i just wrapped up um, a mental health series which is like my first internal campaign um and it's 10 people and it's debuting next week and it is like insane it is i'm it's probably the thing that i'm the most proud of where you know talking from you know reintegrating into your life after beating cancer to having marfan syndrome to having an eating disorder for 20 years that you kept secret to being like finding out that you have bipolar disorder you know it's can't really... imagine keeping an eating disorder secret i won't shut up about mine uh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> different strokes different yeah. ways of coping where can so, yeah. people find you and find this project yeah so the website's uh theconfettiproject.com and then the instagram is the same with underscores between each word um and yeah it's on facebook as well Fantastic. Yana, thanks so much for chatting with me. And this thanks, was great. Billy. And why don't you say goodbye to everybody? Thank you guys. Thanks for listening and thanks for having me. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Definitely go check out the confetti project on the Instagram. It's a very it's a very joyful page uh it's very joyful and diverse and in times like these sometimes it's nice to have very fun positive upbeat distractions of course you should be following me on the social media i'm on twitter at the billy Presida, and i'm on instagram at billy is Presida. don't ask about the story of why it's at billy is Presida. i'm not happy about it either but that was the easiest thing i could get uh, if you want to shoot me an email with your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your titty pictures, whatever, send it on over to manhorpod at gmail.com. 
Don't forget that the Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com, a pay-per-minute porn site that makes it both an ethical and affordable way to hashtag pay for some of your porn. Do me a solid and go give it a try. Sign up for the free trial and use promo code MANHOR for 20 extra minutes. Go to HotMovies.com, sign up today with promo code MANHOR. Last but certainly not least, you all know that the best way to show your support for the Manhor podcast is to become a member of my Patreon community at patreon.com slash podcast. Black Lives Matter. Stay slutty. 